Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk in chapter number 3. The book of Habakkuk chapter number 3. We are finishing up this series of the book of Habakkuk of Lord send a revival and revival is our only hope. Last week we spent a lot of time talking about revival and that there is a high price to pay for revival but revival is our only hope. We have lots of people who say that they're praying now and praise the Lord for all the prayers. But with the idea of revival that they're missing some parts. They're missing to the idea that if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. To seek my face. To turn from their wicked ways. One of the reasons why we don't have revival is because we miss those three things. Of seeking God's face. Of humbling ourselves. Of turning from our wicked ways. And yet God wants to do a work. He wants to do a great work. And so much that the prophet Habakkuk was used to pen the words that in wrath remember mercy. Remember the context of the book of Habakkuk is that judgment is coming. The Babylonians are right around the, the bend. He could almost hear the horse, uh, the hooves of the horses as they're galloping towards Judah during this time. Destruction is right around the corner. And yet, it's in the midst of this that the prophet Habakkuk takes time to look up at God. So if you wouldn't mind, let's catch up to where we are as we're finishing this up um, (laughs) this week and then the next time we meet for Sunday school. But the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 3. And the book of Habakkuk, chapter number 3, notice with me starting at verse number 3. And in verses 3 through 19 is one of the most beautiful poems in Hebrew literature. And this is done as a response to who God is. Notice with me in the book of Habakkuk chapter number 3. Habakkuk chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 3. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praise. And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand. There was the hiding of his power. Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. The everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea, that thou didst ride thy horses and chariots of salvation? Thy bow, bow, was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word." Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. By the overflowing 
of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou went forth for the salvation of thy people, even for or even for salvation with thine anointed, thou wouldest wounded the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Thou didst strike through with his staves the head of his villages. They came out of the whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I may, might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade with his troops." And as we come to this passage, notice the pictorial language in this poem in verse 16. When the prophet says, when I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the that voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself. With this, as he's doing this poem, we understand that what he is speaking about in verse 16 is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And with the Lord's help as we go through this Sunday school message here, we're going to see this pictorial um, poetry that is describing the fear of the Lord in the midst of understanding what is going to happen. Now, remember, the context of this is that the prophet had begun to pray for his nation because he saw how everything was falling apart. Violence was going unanswered. The laws weren't kept. The uh, courts weren't making correct rulings. That there were more wicked surrounding them than righteous people. And so the prophet did what he was supposed to do. He went to pray. But as he prayed, he was surprised that God actually answered him. And God said, I'm going to do a work in your days that if I told you what I was going to do, you wouldn't believe me. And he says, all right, what, what are you going to do, God? Ye among the heathen. I'm going to send the Babylonians to come and they're going to destroy your nation. They're going to destroy the temple. They're going to wipe everything out. They're going to take your people and they're going to transport them thousands of miles away into captivity. And Habakkuk said, how is that going to help? They're worse than we are. God said, I told you you wouldn't believe me. And so this, the rest of the book of Habakkuk is a conversation between the prophet and God. That the prophet speaks, God answers. God, uh, the prophet speaks, God answers. The prophet waits for God to speak, God answers. And in the midst of this, we have seen this idea of revival. That God can revive his people. In wrath, remember mercy. The idea that revival is going to happen or that the uh, judgment's going to happen. But God is using it to draw people to himself. To realize that they have a need of him. That they can't rest in their country. They can't rest in their nation. They can't rest in the finances. They can't rest in, in comfort. They can't rest in security. They could rest in God though. And that God is their answer. And so in the midst of this, as the prophet Habakkuk is 
is responding to God. He now responds to a poetry, a poetical language that is describing what we see here of his response to God, who God is. And notice as it starts off in verse number three, God came. God came. There was nothing he can do, but God came. There was nothing the prophet could do. It was out of his hands, but God came. What a comforting words those are, that when we're at our wits end, we're at the place that we could do nothing ourselves. There's no way we could fix it. God came. God came. When someone receives news of health scares, of health concerns, and there's nothing they can do, but God could come with his presence. And when his presence is there, it could do so much. When people are at the place where the consequences are overwhelming, God could come with his presence and he could be a help. Now, why is it that God's presence can be a help? It's because we know who God is. Now, we've been describing to you um, recently about the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Well, we understand the fear of the Lord does include trembling. The fear of the Lord does <laughs> include a respect that we have towards God. It has both of those. But where does the fear of the Lord come from? It comes from an intimate knowledge of who God is. That if you don't know God, you have no fear of God. That's why the Bible says over and over about the world, the heathen, is that they have no fear of God before their eyes. It's because they don't know who God is. But if you know who God is, it affects you. It affects how you respond when you understand who God is. In fact, hold your finger here and let me turn to the book of Ecclesiastes with you. We're going to come right back. But I want you to see this, that as the King Solomon is reviewing his life and he's looking to see um, all the things that have occurred in his life, he is um, wrapping up and he writes the conclusion of the whole matter. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and notice with me in the very end of this book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, notice what his conclusion of as he evaluates life, as he sees how things are going. Remember, it's uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. Notice his conclusion after examining all of life. Verse number 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. There's a very clear statement there. What is the conclusion of the whole matter? As Solomon looks back and sees all of life, sees all of its good things and its bad things, sees that there's a time for every season. As he looks and sees as people grow old and he sees what it is to live your life without God, as he sees what it is to live your life with God, he comes to this conclusion, the conclusion of the whole matter, this statement about life. What is life about? What could you wrap it up to? Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man, to come to the fear of God. Again, where does the fear of God come from? It comes from an intimate knowledge of who God is. As you learn more about God and you realize that he's real and you understand his majesty and his power and his might, you realize this is a God who can and a God who will and a God who's able. 
and a God that we can trust. And so if you don't mind, as we look in the book of Habakkuk and look in this poem that is given by the inspiration of Scripture to the prophet Habakkuk, let's see some things that we see about God that reflects this fear of God, this intimate knowledge of God. Now remember, when Habakkuk is speaking, he is actually coming to the place where he's trembling. Why, what's happening? It's the fear of God. Some people don't like to put that as a definition of a fear of trembling. But there is a fear and trembling that we come to God because of the power that he has. Notice with me, if you don't mind the first thing, he is a God of majesty. He is a God of majesty. Notice with me in verse number three. And God came from Tiamen and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. Notice that word Selah. Selah is a poetical musical term. It's found three times in the book of Habakkuk, which is in this passage we read here. The rest of the 74 times is found in the book of Psalms. It's usually used as a musical notation, which carries the idea to pause and to think about it. That's why when I read scripture, I usually don't say the word Selah, but I take the time for the pause to think about it. It's a musical notation. And it's a thing that says you need to stop and think about what you just read. What you just read, what you just heard was something important. You need to be able to grasp this. So notice again in verse 3. God came from Tiamen and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was as the light. He had horns coming from his hand and there was hiding of a power. Before him went the pestilence and burning coals went forth at his feet. Now remember this is poetical language. Now I don't know how you're designed but I'm not designed poetical. For example there are some people that when they want comfort they uh, go to the Psalms. Psalms deal with the hard issues of men, man. So they read the Psalms. They could feel what the psalmist is going through and he, feel the emotions and they feel better. Not me. I'm not a poetical type of guy. I, I like history. When I want encouragement, I go to the historical books. I want to see what God has done and I want to see how he's responded to man and how man is expected to respond. That's where I get my encouragement from. I'm just designed that away. And so... When I get to this passage, I admit this takes a little bit more uh, time for me to go through a poetical thing because I don't want the poetical. But it's what's written and so we have to understand. What is uh, this verse talking about, verses 3 through 5? Well, what it's speaking about is when God came to Mount Sinai to deliver the law. Now, we just happened to study that in our Life of uh, Moses series. Remember that when they went to come be issued the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, according to Exodus 19 and the rest of Exodus 20, God spoke to them with his own voice. They heard the voice of God, but it wasn't just the voice of God. In fact, let's just turn there since it's fresh in our mind. Look with me in the book of Exodus chapter number 19. The book of Exodus chapter 19. <coughs> and so uh, the first part of Exodus 19, they are setting the bounds and telling the people, don't approach the holy mountain. You, there's some boundaries here. Don't touch it. You do not want to do that. But notice then as God begins to speak to them on the third day after three days of preparation. Exodus 19 and verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings. 
and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people that were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the neither part of the mountain. And then it goes on and, and uh, God gives more instructions. And then in chapter 20, he gives the Ten Commandments. At the end of the Ten Commandments, when he gives it in Exodus 20, it's the people went to Moses who was there in the midst and said, Moses! You, it's alright, you go up to the mountain, you talk to God. If we hear the voice of God anymore, we just think we're going to die. What's, what happened there? They're trembling. Why? Because of the majesty of God. Could you imagine what it is like to go face to face, voice to voice with God himself? You know, some people have different images of God. Uh, you want to watch me kind of throw a ballistic fit. You let me see a t-shirt where it says me and JC. Or to hear some type of flippant term dealing with God. Or to have one of those t-shirts that says, you know, instead of Coca-Cola, it says Christ the King or something. And they mix the worldly. Well, you understand, this determines our view of God. That if you have... <laughs> uh, our God is a God of majesty, a God of power. He is the God of the universe. He's not someone that I flippantly and disrespectfully go to and refer to. But he is the God of the universe. He is full of power. He is full of glory. He is full of majesty. If we were to see just a glimpse of God today, we wouldn't be throwing a party we would be before God on our faces and worship of God because of who He is. Because of that, there is a trembling to be in the presence of an almighty God. Now, I'm thankful that God is approachable. I'm not saying God's not approachable. I'm just saying who we are approaching is the God of the universe. And that should give us a respect for Him because we are nothing in his sight. When you study scripture. And to see how man is referred to. In the presence of God as a comparison. You know the Bible says. That we are like a grasshopper. In his sight. That's one of the comparisons. The Bible says. That we're as dirt. In his sight. The Bible says. That we are like nothing. In his sight. It's always amazing to have some person who's arched their back and say, I don't care who you are, God. I'll do whatever I want. And to see how small and pathetic that is when you see the God of the universe and how majesty, how mighty, how powerful he is and how tiny, infinitesimal we truly are. Someone gave this illustration once. What is it? In comparison to God, well, if you could imagine out back here, there's a big field. And all of that field would be like all of the universe. And in the midst of the field, you have one blade of grass. And that blade of grass would be like our solar system. And on top of that blade of grass right now is a little drop of dew. And that little drop of dew would be like the planet that we live on. And inside of the do there is a little dust nuclei 
And that would be the state that you live in. And at that dust nuclei, there's a little corner that's chipped out. And that's the state you live in. And in the midst of that little corner happens to be an atom. And that atom is the building that we're in. And in the midst of the atom, you have the small little electron. And that would be us. And imagine that small little electron looking up at the God of the universe and saying, Listen here! I don't care who you are! It's laughable. Do you understand that our God is a God of power? I'm not trying to say He is a scary God. I am trying to say that He is a majestic God who is full of power. And when we understand that we're nothing, He is everything. It changes our view of God. That God is God. We have a majestic God. And that should cause us to tremble. Not in a bad thing, but in a trembling, the idea that we're standing before a God who is so powerful and I'm nothing. And yet, He still loves me. What a great God. What an amazing God. Remember, the Bible says over and over several times, Isaiah 46 is one example. I am God, there is none else. There's no one like this God. There was no one who could be compared to this God. He is special and unique. He is full of power and full of glory. No one could touch him. So as we start off and explain this poem and we look at it as Habakkuk is responding to God and the news that his his country is going to be judged, but God knows what he's doing. Ye among the heathen, he says, I'm going to do a work so wondrously in your day that you won't, you won't believe it, that this is how it's going to work. And as he's talked with God, he said, God, I may not know how it's going to work out, but I know who you are. You're a majestic God. You know what you're doing. I trust you. Not only is God a God of majesty, but God is also a God of might. As the Bible goes on in this poem in Habakkuk chapter 3, it goes on and it starts to describe another scene of God's might, of God's power. In fact, specifically, notice with me in verse number 8. Notice the poetical language here. It says, Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea that thou didst ride Thine horses and chariots of salvation. Thy bow was made quite naked according to the oaths of the tribe of the word. Uh, thy word. Thou did cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee and they trembled and overflowed with water that perished. Now as this goes on, it's giving several scenes. But one specific scene that it is giving once again in our series of life and ministry of Moses. Is that you remember when God parted the Red Sea? Here, there's next to this big body of water. Pharaoh's on the other end. They have no hope. They're stuck. They're entangled in the land. And God says, I've got this. And he parted the river. The poetical language here. Was he mad at the rivers? <laughs> With the idea that he parted them. He, he opened them up. Was he mad at them? Did he just break them apart? And he's using this idea that God has that much power. That it's nothing to God for God to part the rivers, to part the ocean, to part the Red Sea, 
to allow them to cross. Imagine, think about all these times that God has opened up the waters. He opened up the Red Sea to allow the children of Israel cross uh, and get escape from um, Pharaoh's army. Forty years later, he had them cross the Jordan River. And they actually backed up the river five miles uh, upstream in order to get the Jordan River down where they could cross. Think of how many times Elijah and Elisha stood before a river and God parted up there. This is the poetical language here that says, is God just angry with the rivers that he parts it open? Again, it's trying to use poetical language to get across. This is a God of power. It's nothing to him to open up the rivers, to open up the Red Sea, to allow God to cross. That's something that we can't do. If you can, then I want to see you after church. We'll see this. That's something beyond our power. But it's something within God's power that he didn't just do it once, but he did it multiple times recorded in scripture. That he opened up the rivers, parted the seas to allow the people to go through. Notice as the Bible goes on and it, um, <coughs> it gives more of this poetical type language. Notice with me, where did it go? I notice verse 6. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. The everlasting matters, uh, mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills, his bows, his ways are everlasting. Notice the first part. He stood and measured the earth. Here's Habakkuk imagining God who made the earth, looking upon the earth and measuring it as a general measuring out for like a battle campaign. God says, here, I measured it out. I know where everything's at. I know where every country's at. I know where every people's at. I know how to get this. I know geography. I know where to place you here, to put this here. This is where you need to go. Think about this. God knows where you should be in life. He knows how to get you to some place in life. He is full of might and full of power. What a wonderful God. And to think that all nature obeys God. Jesus standing outside of the storm. And he said, peace, be still. Do you remember how the, the disciples responded? They feared. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Why did they fear? Because of his power. Because of his might. And so as we go through here, we could see the fear of God as Habakkuk is responding. And he's thinking about how God is going to use the Babylonians to come. But he's going to do it not to hurt the Hebrew people, but to draw them to himself. And he doesn't understand how it's going to work out. But his response says, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know who's in control. I know God in his majesty. I know God in his might. But also see there's a third thing in here. God is a God of mercy. He's a God of mercy. Notice with me in verse 13. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thine anointed. Thou wouldest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Thou didst drive through with the staves of the head of his villages, and they came as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses and through the heaps of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at thy voice. Rottenness entered in my bones. I trembled in myself 
Here God is talking about, or the prophet is saying, you're doing this for the salvation of thy people in verse 13. But notice in verse 16, where I finished reading about he trembled himself, but that I might rest in the day of trouble. Think about this. The starting of verse 16, he says, I'm trembling. Why is he trembling? Because of God's majesty. He's trembling because of God's might. But he says, even though I have a fear of God, I trust him. Those two statements sound like they shouldn't belong together. If you're afraid of something, you don't trust it. But here, because of the fear of God, because I know who he is, I can trust him. I can rest in him because of his power. I could trust in him because of his majesty. I could trust in him because of his character. I can rest in him because of my trust. Now remember, what is happening? Habakkuk has just been told your nation is going to be destroyed. Wiped off the map. Your temple is going to be destroyed. I'm going to drag your people thousands of miles away and they're going to be captive. I mean, does that sound like something you could rest in? I mean, we could look at our country today and we could say, it's deserving of judgment, without a doubt. The unrighteous surround the righteous. The courts don't make right judgment. Violence is going on unanswered. We could almost take that same prayer and say, it's us. And yet, in this time, when everything's falling apart, we can have rest. The Bible says a phrase like this, we can have a peace that passeth all understanding. Why can you be peaceful? Don't you understand how bad things are? I can have peace because I trust in God who is bigger than anything we could face. God is bigger than any president or any presidential candidate. He is bigger than any affiliation or any group. God is bigger than any problem you have. He is mighty. He is majestic. He is powerful. He is God. And I can trust him. And because I trust him, I can have peace. We have a world that is very fearful. We have a world things are falling apart. You know when your finances are falling apart, you can still have peace because I trust in God. When it seems like nothing's working out, I can still have peace. Because I could trust in God who's bigger than them all. It all comes to the idea, what are we putting our attention on? You could look at something that's right in front of your face and it seems so huge. When, when you look past it and see the God of the circumstance, we could see that that thing is not big at all. Not compared to God. That God is mighty. That God is powerful. We're not to fear things. We're to fear God. When we fear God, we will trust him. To take care of us. Can we trust him? I'm thankful that we can have a peace in uncertain days. Because of who God is. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.